Uh, my name is Joe Cavan, my wife Karen. Uh, my family and I are missionary extensions of uh, Grace Bible Church to the country of Turkey. We've been out there since 2003. Uh, 2008, we started a church plant in Ankara, the capital city. By God's grace, we've uh, now got a church that is on its way. Uh, Ankara Hope Church is its name. 25 Turks uh, that are members of that body and growing in their love and knowledge of the Lord and for each other, the body of Christ. And uh, it's a very, very big privilege that we've been given to be able to be a part of that work that God's doing out in the country of Turkey. I am not going to be talking about that ministry today. We are going to be here, my wife and I, for lunch and all. If anybody is interested in working with Muslims or the 1040 window and what that's all about, have questions about those kinds of things, uh, anything that has to do with those ministries at all, about the church plant and church planting work, uh, we're part of a very exciting ministry, and we'd love to share that with you. So if you have questions about that, find us, and we'd be happy to talk to you about that. Also, for short-term missions and for long-term missionary work and what that's all about, if you have questions about it, let us know. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. <clears throat> We are with Christar as our mission organization, and from time to time, as they send out short-term missionaries, we've been asked to speak uh, to that group. And these are missionaries now short-term that are going to go out anywhere between two weeks and two years onto the field. And so what I'm going to do today in here is part one of a series of three messages that I give. This first one is about stretching. The next one is about serving, and the last one is about submitting. Okay, so we're going to talk about stretching today. Not the physical stretching, but having said that, please, everybody stand up. Let's try this, shall we? Just reach your hands straight up over the air and now reach up to the sky. Okay, and as you do that, hopefully you're going to feel a stretch mostly here and here in your arms, but change it up a little bit. Spread your feet apart just a little bit and just go to one side. Everybody go to the same side. Okay, now as you bend over, now reach that hand way up into the air. Reach out with it. Now as you do that, you should be feeling it down your arm and down your side. And if you're doing it well, all the way down your side here and into your leg, right? Did everybody feel that? Okay, please sit down. What do they say? Namaste. <laughs> okay, so what you felt was change, okay? We, we just kind of have this normality, right? But when we do something to act upon that, we create change, Okay, so stretching is about change. And, you know, our, our physical bodies and our spiritual well-being, they're kind of interconnected. Paul talks about that in a couple of his different letters. And, you know, if we want our muscles to grow, as what do we need to do to, do to get muscles to grow? Okay, you know, there's, there's exercise, and if you want to maintain muscle, you can exercise. But if you want muscle to grow, you've got to challenge it. You've got to push it. And you got to do it regularly. Okay? And it's the same thing with that spiritual side of us to be challenged regularly and to push ourselves in certain areas. You know, God wants to stretch us. Why do you think that is? Why does God want to stretch you in your spiritual growth? Because it has to do with that change. You know, God wants to change us, right, in sanctification, to change us to be more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that He can use us in different ways, right? There are storms and, and different difficulties that come up in life, and God uses those things in our lives 
And it's a matter of us walking with him through those difficulties and learning to trust him more and more in those difficulties or in those storms in life. Some people have had really bad storms in their lives. I don't know if you have or not. My parents were divorced when I was young. That was a difficult storm for me in life. Uh, My little girl, when she was nine months old, she started having a seizure problem in a little city that we were in in in, uh, Turkey, hours and hours away from a hospital and stuff. And she came so close to death. And for years we dealt with that. And it was a very difficult storm in our lives. But it's how we react to those storms as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and how God uses those difficulties in our lives to stretch us and to change us. I can relate to people who have parents that were divorced when they were young or people that have children or loved ones that they went through a particularly difficult sickness with. And it's, I can comfort people better in that way and encourage people. And we can learn to one another each other and walk with each other through trials in life. And that's what we do as believers. But there's another side to the stretching. You know, God wants to stretch us, change us to be more like his son Jesus so that we'll better reflect him in our lives to the lost world around us. Now, since that's the idea of what the stretching is all about, try to understand that it's not something that we should run from, but it's something that we should embrace. But that can be a difficult thing. Today, I'm going to be talking about stretching as it pertains to ministry. There's a lot of different kinds of stretching I can be talking about, both physically and spiritually. But we're going to be talking about stretching as it pertains to ministry. And when stretching pertains to ministry, it usually has to do with that topic of us being outside of what's called our our comfort zone. right? So it can be difficult to embrace this in our lives because it has to do with us being outside of our our, our comfort zone or going through these difficult times or storms in our lives. Everybody up with me so far? Okay, I'm giving you some concepts of all this now. We're going to get into God's Word in just a minute to see them and to see what God has to say about this topic. The last thing I want to say, though, is that there, there's just kind of like what I call the supernova of difficulties when it comes to this topic of stretching, and that is that we tend to put expectations on these situations in our lives. See, maybe we're going to go through something particularly difficult, one of these storms, And we just tend to want to have this light at the end of this tunnel, right? It gives us hope that there's an ending to this thing that we may be going through. And with that, a lot of times we put an expectation with that. And let me kind of give you an example. Maybe God is going to make me walk through this very difficult thing, send me to a foreign country, and and he wants me to to share the word about his son, and I'm going to get mocked and spit on and, and... all of these kinds of things. But I might think to myself, okay, it's going to be all right because you know, God's going to use this in some miraculous way and there's going to be this revival out here in Asia Minor you know, where the church first grew. And You know what? That may or may not be the reality. right? Or I might have a perception of the outcome of what happens that's different. See, I... I made this thing up here. I made this, I put this expectation up here. But maybe this is what happens over here. And that's how we start to do this this questioning and this doubt that we got to be really careful with, right? John the Baptist, seeing what Jesus was doing, saying, okay, are you the Messiah or are we looking for another? 
right? Jeremiah said, why does the way of the wicked prosper? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on, but they're not really fully understanding. And, you know, you may not ever understand in your lifetime. Had Jesus not told John the Baptist about what's going on, you know, we're 2,000 years down the line. We can look back in retrospect and see what's going on and how God was using all that, right? But we may not understand those things in the here and now. A little bit of ambiguity to what I'm saying. It's good. That's what I wanted. We're going to get into God's Word and start to clear it up. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 7 with me. We're going to explore this concept of... uh, of stretching a little bit. Before I look at that with you, I want to tell you, Jeremiah was a priest, and he was called in Jeremiah chapter 1 to be a prophet. And God pretty much told him right there up front, he said, I'm going to send you to your own people, not to a foreign people, not to a foreign land or a different tongue or anything like that. I'm going to send you to your own people. And they are not going to like what you tell them. And they're going to argue with you. And they're going to want to argue. They're going to want to fight with you about it. They're going to be angry at you. And they're even going to want to kill you. And things got really bad for Jeremiah that uh, uh, so severe at one point in his ministry that God comes back again. You can read in Jeremiah 15 how God had to reassure him again. They're going to want to do this, God says, but I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. I'm going to deliver you from that. You're going to live through all of this. I want you to put that aside. But just understand that Jeremiah was going to his own people, his brothers, bringing them the word of their God. They're going to know that that's the word of God, and they're going to hate it, and they're going to want to kill him for it. This isn't a foreign people. This is his own people. Okay? Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh, saying, Stand in the gate of Yahweh's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of Yahweh, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord, Yahweh. Note the exclamation point in your Bible. I'm going to get back to it. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place here in the land that was promised to them. He says, Do not trust in these lying words saying the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh are these. And that has to do with people putting their trust not in Yahweh, their God, but in the temple that is there. The northern kingdom fell almost 100 years before, and people think, well, sure, but this is where the temple of Yahweh is. Certainly God would not ever do anything with his temple here. Their heart is far from God They don't look to God for anything. They do whatever they want to do during the week, and then they bring in their sacrifice. And they think everything is okay between them and God. You're trusting in a lie, God says. For if, now notice a conditional promise here. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, look what they said, We are delivered to do all these abominations. 
Jesus used this portion of scripture. He says, has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Why do you regard it in such a way? So here, you have people, again, their hearts are far from God. God has sent the prophet to them to talk to them, to tell them this is it. This is the last chance now. I've sent to you my prophets for hundreds of years. Maybe you listened and heard everything, but you don't obey me from your heart. You don't love me as your God. You disregard everything about me. You do whatever it is that you want to do all week long. And then you come in here and you bring a sacrifice to think that everything's just okay. It's not. Right? People did not want to hear that. They want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, where they want to do it. They're fine to listen. They're fine to hear. But they want to kill him. And if you read Jeremiah and study it, they wanted to kill him over and over and over again. They didn't want that message. I mean, that's what they wanted to do to God in their hearts. Jeremiah was just the messenger. God's who they want to kill. I want to step back now. I want to look at that idea of stretching and how God was using Jeremiah. Go back to verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh, staying, stand in the gate of Yahweh's house. Where is that? Where's that geographical point? That's, yeah, it's the main entry to the temple. Go stand at the main entry to the temple, Jeremiah, and proclaim there this word. As you stand at the, the, the entry to the temple, proclaim this. Hear the word of Yahweh, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship Yahweh. That's an exclamation point. And you know, as you read that, the idea of what's being sent across is, is really, are you coming in here to worship Yahweh today? You take the whole passage in context. It's like, you, I know you. You go out during the week and you oppress the poor. And, and you're an adulterer, and you're a drunkard, and you're just debauched, and you're serving all these other guys. Really, you're going to come in here and worship Yahweh today? Then I got a message for you from Yahweh. Amend your ways and your doings. What, what's the one word we use for that phrase today? Repent. Okay. Now, we read God's word... <laughs> And I fear that we just read our chapter in the evening and stuff, and we pass over all this grammar, you know, this exclamation point, and, and, and we tend not to take in God's word the way that we ought to, but we don't stop and think about it enough. Let me ask you guys this question, okay? Let's say that you belong to a fellowship, and you know that everybody in this fellowship, that's exactly what they're doing. They're going out to the bars day after day, and they're getting drunk and having adulterous relationships, and all of these things are going on. And Jesus come to you and say, all right, this Sunday, I want you to stand at the entry of your home church. And as people come in, all of them that you know, your friends, as they come in there say, are you coming in here to worship Jesus today? I got a word for you. You got to repent. Okay. How many of you would be comfortable? (laughs) Is that a little bit outside the comfort zone? You know, we have this tendency to base 
to, to hold up, to think about what makes a successful ministry, what makes a successful Christian life. Those two ought to be equated, by the way. They're the same thing, right? And, and we, we, we put in these, uh, you know, these, these kind of the, those perceptions that we have of how ministry should go. Or we start to equate numbers with it. You know, wow, look at how many people are coming to Bible study. Look at how much money is given to this fellowship. Hey, those are all good things, right? But that's not how we measure the success of a ministry. You can't do that. It's wrong. There's success of a ministry, success of a Christian life is based on one thing only. And, and that is just really simply asking ourselves, am I doing today what God has for me to do today? Am I faithfully walking in whatever it is that God is calling me to right now, today? See, this is an amazing thing for me. Jeremiah, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, if you study this in school yet. Does anybody know how many years Jeremiah walked back and forth in a very small area? Jerusalem's a small old city, you know, and all of Judea. It's just not a very big area. I mean, think of walking around Bozeman for 40, 45 years and pouring your heart out to people as God directs you to share with others that they're on the road to destruction. 40 to 45 years. Does anybody know in the book of Jeremiah how many people are recorded to have come put their their faith and trust in the Lord in the entire book? One. And you know what the real rub is? He was not one of the children of Israel. He was an Ethiopian eunuch, a Gentile, the name of Ebed-Malak. A Gentile. 40 to 45 years of ministry. Now tell me this, do you think Jeremiah is going to stand ashamed before the throne of grace? Because there just wasn't that many people that came to him in his ministry. Right? We've got to get that idea out of our head. And just plan our lives to be faithfully following whatever God has for us to do today. By the way, that's an amazing story, my favorite in in Jeremiah. You know, all the Babylonian army was coming up against Jerusalem. They had come two times earlier. One time they took away Daniel and his friends. Another time they took away Ezekiel and a bunch of captives, right? But the third time they came, they lay siege to the city, and they're there for over two years, the whole army that the whole world is petrified of. And people inside are in such distress. And just like Moses predicted back in in Deuteronomy, there's no food, there's no water. People are cooking their own children and eating them because there's nothing left. And all of a sudden, after years of this, there's there's a breach in the wall. And everybody knows at sunlight tomorrow, the whole of the Babylonian army is coming in. And they're mad. And they're going to come in and they're going to be swinging the sword and there's going to be chaos and fear and death all around. And it is, they're just petrified. And it was at that time, that evening, that God comes to Jeremiah and he says, I want you to go over to Ebed-Melech, this Ethiopian eunuch, this Gentile. And I want you to tell him, when it all comes down tomorrow and when they're pouring into the city, And all that fear is all around. So I want you to know you're going to be all right. You put your faith and your trust in me, and I've got you tomorrow. It's the neatest story in the world. And he's the only one. That message, that message that he sent to Ebed-Melech, 
is the one that he wanted to send to the children of Israel, his own people, but they wouldn't accept it. And they put Jeremiah through so much year after year after year. Go to Ezekiel chapter 33. Let me read one more for you. Ezekiel got taken away earlier on, and he's in Babylon with many of the uh, exiles. And even now, even after being taken out of their city, the people are not going to listen to God. They don't want him. They don't want his message. Chapter 33, verse 30 says, As for you, son of man, God is speaking to Ezekiel here, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. Ezekiel, the people here, your people, your brothers, the children of Israel, they're talking about you. What are they saying? They speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear the word that comes from Yahweh. So God is giving Ezekiel affirmation that everybody here knows that my voice is coming through you. They know that. It's not a matter of any ambiguity of whether you're telling the truth or not. They know that. Look at this. So they come to you as a people do. And they sit before you as my people. And they hear your words, but they do not do them. Look at this indictment. For with their mouth they show much love, but with their hearts they pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song, as one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. God wants to stretch us to use us for our good and for his glory. We just need to be careful as we walk forward, those expectations, those ideas that we have of how God's going to work things out in our lives. It's not always that sunshine ray that we want to tend to put in there. But we're here for the work that God has for us to do. And the only question is, are we faithfully doing all that God has for us to do today, right now? Are we walking in that? I have a short video. Can we go ahead and... uh, This is of the uh, ministry back in the country of Turkey. Uh, Again, what a great privilege By God's grace, we've seen 28 people come to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's working in amazing ways. And what a wonderful, wonderful fellowship that we have. So I want to play for this for you now. Go ahead.
great group that's there. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, you guys know all that God had set for them to do, and they just faithfully did whatever it is that God had for them each day. But you guys, hope everybody here is determined in their heart that they're ready to follow the Lord, whatever He has for them in their lives, no matter what the storm is that might be out there for you. Put your faith and trust in Him and go forward each day knowing that He's always with you, knowing He does not leave us.
a great thing. I want to thank you guys for having us today. And uh, God bless you in your ministries, in your walk each day. Um, again, my wife and I are going to be here for the lunch today. So if you have any questions about ministry and stuff, we have our prayer cards here as well. And you're welcome to come and get one of those and to sign up to receive our newsletters that we put out about every three months. So thank you guys again. Let me go ahead and pray for us in closing. Father, we do thank you so much for your goodness and grace and mercy, your patience toward us. Thank you for your loving kindness that works in our lives for our good, but for your glory, and that reaches out to a lost world. We thank you for the great privilege that you've given to each one of us. Father, by giving us the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, that gospel message to share with the world, that you laid sin, all of our sin, upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be his righteousness in you, and that, Father, we can have peace with you, and we can live even in a sin-filled world with joy and peace in our lives. We thank you for that joy and peace that you've given us and the eternity that you've given to us. And we pray, Father, use us in a great way for your glory and be lifted high, exalted high in our lives. Love you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this time together now over lunch. Bless our time of fellowship together, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.